Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, everybody. I'm Dr. Gina, and welcome to Primetime. Congratulations and happy anniversary, everybody. It's been one year since 15 days to slow the spread, although it feels like a lot longer than that. It's been a long year. And what have we learned in the past year? Well, we've learned that we actually still know very little about COVID. And later on in my doctor's orders, I'm going to run through how much uh, some of the state governors and the so-called experts majorly screwed things up over the last year. And we all love polls. There's a brand new one out from Just the News and Scott Rasmussen. And the poll asked people if Biden has some sort of condition that contributes to his gaffes that also makes him unfit for office. Less than half of the voters think Biden is fit to hold the office of the presidency. Only 47% said the president is fine and fit for office and the gaffes are no big deal. 40% said they're concerned he's suffering from some major condition that contributes to his gaffes and makes him completely unfit for office. But can you imagine how much higher that percentage would be if he'd actually quit hiding from the cameras and darken the door of the East Wing. Since we haven't really seen many gaps since he moved into the East Wing, since he doesn't actually show up there very often, John Solomon's going to address this coming up in just a few minutes. But first, let's head around America to our hosts and correspondents on the ground where all the action is happening. First to Washington, D.C., to the RAV, Just the News headquarters, to Sophie Mann, who has a Cuomo update for us. Sophie, go ahead. Hey, Dr. G. So I'm here to give you our Cuomo update of the day. That's right, keeping you informed on all things Andrew Cuomo as the governor continues to face a scandal on two fronts. So just yesterday, Deborah Katz, the attorney representing uh, Charlotte Bennett, the 25-year-old former aide to the governor who's now accusing him of sexual harassment, came forward and said that Bennett met for four hours with investigators yesterday to go over everything that happened during her tenure in office with the governor. Um, in particular, she spoke about the sexually hostile work environment fostered by the governor and the way that he would actually pit women against one another on whom he had bestowed attention. So that seems just like a really toxic work environment from tip to tail. Uh, one particularly perturbing piece of information that came to light was that uh, the governor apparently had a preoccupation with his hand size and what the large size of his hands indicated to Charlotte and other members of the governor's staff. Uh, Katz continues to urge all who have been subjected to inappropriate behavior by the governor to step forward, and we will see exactly what investigators conclude as time goes on. But what's sort of really interesting is that there's actually a renewed call at this moment to have late-night comedy hosts apologize for the way that they treated Andrew Cuomo 
um, during the spring and summer season. I mean, this was when Cuomo was doing his big Emmy push. Maybe the late night comedy hosts were also doing an Emmy push or for themselves. But um, it's unclear. It's well, we sort of know if the media is actually going to look inward on this issue or not. But it will be interesting to see how the mainstream press continues to treat these late night comedy show hosts and other members of the Hollywood elite who praised Governor Cuomo so adamantly at the beginning and now remain fairly silent as his downfall approaches. Thanks so much, Sophie. Wow, this Cuomo stuff gets crazy, doesn't it? All right, let's head out to Jessica Rivera at our RAV headquarters in Denver, Colorado. Jessica, good to see you. What do you have for us today? Good to see you too, Dr. Gina. Columbia University will be hosting six more graduation ceremonies this year for the class of 2021 in what the school is describing as multicultural. The ceremonies will be segregated by race, sexuality, and income. The new list of six are Native American, LGBTQIA+, Asian, first generation and or low income, Latinx, and Black. The ceremonies will be held virtually the last week of April. These ceremonies are not going to replace the normal graduation that includes everyone. The school says the six separate ceremonies are, quote, more intimate settings for students and guests to gather, incorporate meaningful cultural traditions, and celebrate the specific contributions and achievements of their communities, end quote. Because, Dr. Gina, we must remember before we are human, we are our color, our ethnicities, and our income levels at this point. But before we lose all hope on the insanity of Columbia University's latest news, the University of Oxford senior researcher and black woman, Mercy Meraki, spoke up saying, quote, racially and sexually segregated graduation ceremonies, one of the best universities in the world. If you wanna know what going backwards looked like, this is it. The cheek of calling them multicultural graduation ceremonies when they are literally based on singular cultures. And Meraki is absolutely correct. I could not have said it any better, Dr. Gina. I, this insane stuff just keeps on coming. Wow, <laughs> Jessica. I always, all I can ever think when you come on this show is, where does she find this stuff? I mean, do you just get on a dig in places where no one else goes? I mean, honestly, like, where did you find this? This is amazing. Well, this one I have to give credit. Usually I do. Usually I find them in the most obscure places. I try to go to um, other, I go to international, see what other headlines are around the world because they usually cover us a little better than we cover ourselves. So I will admit that that's where I actually find a lot of things. But this one I have to give credit. It is from our AVL um, producer, Kara. She actually talked about it this morning in the newsroom. And I was like, she's gotta be wrong in some way. Like there's just no way that this is the whole story. But she was right. It's absolutely bananas. But so I was like, you know what? I'm stealing it. I'm taking it today. And so I did the research oh. and that's the information. So I guess, you know, they're going to have seven graduations this year. Well, I'm glad for this uh, Mercy Meraki who is calling it out like it is. That is uh, that is awesome. I love I love an intellectually honest liberal once in a while, and there are some still out there surviving, and they do deserve uh, credit for being intellectually honest. Because you know, you look back at Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and there's no way he would have gone along with any of this malarkey. Thank you so much, Jessica. <laughs> You're welcome, Dr. Gina. Now let's head out to Washington, D.C., to the founder of Just the News, John Solomon. John, thanks for being with us tonight. Good to be with you, Gina. 
So, John, the Washington Post is really taking a lot of heat today after <laughs> issuing a huge correction, which you called to their story that accused President Trump of essentially trying to change the Georgia election results by, pres uh, by pressuring officials. And, John, this story was pretty much 100% fake news, but it's obviously a little late now for all of us to find this out. The fake news was used against Trump in the impeachment trial. Um, John, President Trump issued a statement slamming them, and they kind of had that coming, didn't they? They sure did. I mean, it's the same newspaper that gave us a lot of the Russia collusion garbage that turned out to be nothing yeah. more than, than Russian disinformation. But when you get a quote wrong, you attribute a specific quote to the president of the United States, and it's not on the tape. And it turns out that the person you interviewed who gave you that quote wasn't even in the room when the conversation was occurring. You've committed journalism malfeasance. The Washington Post that uh, owes more than a correction, owes the American public and President Trump an apology. And you know this follows on many other huge mistakes that we're seeing in the news media on a daily basis. The New York Times did a big correction after falsely reporting something about the Epoch Times, a, a growing newspaper in America. Uh, I just recently did a story that Pete Strzok, the agent in the Russia case, went through one of the most important stories that the New York Times wrote alleging Russia collusion. The day it ran, the lead agent went down and said, that's not true, that's not true, that's wrong, that's completely off. Nine factual errors he found in a single story. The mainstream media, the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, they have really seeded their ground as truth tellers with this constant stream of erroneous reporting. And who's it almost always about? It's almost always about Donald Trump. They just can't seem to get the Trump story right. Right. Well, the, the, the errors of reporting are always about Donald Trump. There are mass errors of omission uh, regarding Joe Biden, and we're going to get to those, right. um, that you are constantly reporting on, John. Um, and yet there seem to be very little punishment for anybody involved. And yet the patterns are so consistent, John, that I find it's very frustrating for those of us. Um, it's got to be most frustrating for you and your team at Just the News. But it's, it, it's very frustrating for those of us who see these consistent patterns and see that uh, really no good deed goes unpunished. People who do deserve Emmys and Pulitzers don't get them. And uh, people who don't deserve them do get them. And it's just the whole thing seems so completely unfair. Yeah, listen, the biggest victims, forget forget the journalists who don't get acknowledged or, or, or their work get awarded, the people whose reputations are besmirched and only later sure. do we find out the truth. I keep thinking about Carter Page and what the stories were in 2017 and 2018, the former Trump aide who was smeared in the Steele dossier. It took him three years I don't think for the truth to come out, and I don't think he ever gets his reputation back. Time and time and time again, we find out that, that the media has left victims through falsehoods and they just move on. They walk on, they leave the dead bodies on the roadside and they take no responsibility for it. It's bad for America and it's the reason why all the recent polls that we've done at Just the News, that the Pew Foundation has done, that Gallup has done, show American news media is at an all-time low. They're less popular than Congress. They're less trusted than ever before. And sadly, I have to say they've earned that distinction. Well, speaking of polls, uh, I want to ask you about the new poll at Just the News. 40% uh, of respondents say that Biden has some kind of condition, they believe, that makes him unfit and gaffe 
prone. 40% of Americans, John, don't believe that this president is functional in his mental capacity, uh, John, but less than half believe he's even capable of carrying out his duties as president. Wow. What do we do with that information? That's pretty remarkable and stark uh, finding that, that there is a uh, less than a majority of Americans who think he's mentally fit to be president. I don't, we can't recall another time in my lifetime where the, the mental fitness of a president was so pronounced as a question in the public domain. And when you measure it, you know, most, most people say, oh, yeah, the president is qualified. Clearly, he is less than half. 47% say he is qualified. 40% think he has a condition that disqualifies him. Uh, that is a real uh, problem for uh, the trust in the president. And it's probably why, after 60 days in the witness protection program, Joe Biden is going to do his first uh, presidential news conference next week. That's what we're hearing. Uh, it's because they've kept them under wraps for so long. They're starting to see these numbers showing the American public are wondering, what's going on with this guy? Where is our president? And uh, I think it's beginning to become a, a murmur uh, below this presidency on a daily basis. When that gets into the American psyche, it is hard to eject it once it becomes burned into the American consciousness. So uh, Joe Biden has a problem of trust right now. He's got to try to earn that back and show that he doesn't have, or he does have the capacity to be president. We'll see how he does at his first press conference in a week from now. And maybe that mental vacancy, John, answers a part of my last question for you. Uh, but you also reported that 90% of Americans want illegal immigrants tested for COVID before being released. Yeah. But this administration says there is no crisis. They are 100% tone deaf on something that 90% of Americans are adamant about. John, when is this administration going to begin to ha have any compassion for what the American people are begging for? Well, it's really remarkable. First off, truthfulness ha helps, right? The administration keeps saying this isn't a crisis. They just sent America's disaster agency, FEMA, down to the border. You don't send FEMA to happy places. You send them to disasters <laughs> and crises. Their own... True actions uh, undercut their rhetoric that they can get away with with the news media here in Washington. The American people know there's a crisis at the border. They know that letting people in with COVID and then releasing them into the population is really bad. If we have to get tested, if we have to stay home, if we have to wear our masks, if we have to give up parts of our lives to keep our fellow Americans safe, they believe illegal immigrants captured at the border should be held to at least the same standard as Americans. This is going to become a big issue for the, uh, the president in the next couple of weeks. And keep in mind, uh, House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy went down with a bunch of lawmakers yesterday. They, they said they were told by the CPB, by the people on the front lines, as many as 10% of the illegal immigrants being released right now have tested positive for COVID or being released with COVID symptoms. That's a scary proposition. You want to start another wave of the pandemic? This is where it might start, right on that border. A lot of concern about public health and the decisions that the Biden administration is making. And yet relatives are still separated. You still can't go into hospitals and nursing homes with your loved ones who are yeah. dying. You still can't be there to see your baby born and businesses are still shut down and families are losing their entire generational livelihoods while we let foreign people pour over the border, uh, bringing in diseases unknown. John, it's just something I never 
thought I would see, but I take great heart in the fact that you are always there with all of your investigators at Just the News reporting the real news that we all need to hear every single day and bringing it to us first here at Real America's Voice. Thank you so much for being with us, Sean. Thanks, Gina. Good to be with you. Always. Thank you. Don't forget, check out my podcast and John Solomon's podcast, which is amazing if you haven't heard it, at justthenews.com. Click on the little hamburger up in the corner at justthenews.com. Look for podcasts and then scroll down to our faces and check out our podcasts every single day. Coming up, Joe Piscopo, tired of the woke left messing up the entire comedy profession, he says. He's ready to laugh again. I do are too. Stick around. We're going to do some of that in just a moment. Stay with us. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. The final numbers are in, and the ratings for this year's Grammys hit an all-time low. And not just low, really low. They lost half of their viewers just since last year. But how can that be? There sure are a lot of people still stuck at home, especially in California, where the governor is still dead set on destroying the economy there forever. So why are people turning off these Hollywood award shows? My next guest says he knows the answers to this and so many other pressing questions like this one. He is radio show host and comedian extraordinaire. You know him by one name, Joe Piscopo. Joe, so good to have you with us. Thanks for being here tonight. Gina, great to see you, my friend. You, you look great. Congratulations on the show. This is really cool. You look, you're doing so great. Congratulations. Uh- Thank you, Joe. And right back at you. I know you're keeping busy all the time, filling up the airwaves with all sorts of amazing comedic comment, uh, co- uh, content, which is something that has become really uh, an endangered species. I mean, and, yeah. and you look at these award shows and um, people don't want to watch them anymore. They've become so politicized. They've decided instead to turn on shows like yours because they are fed up with the politicization of what is supposed to have been entertainment. Joe, explain this to us. You know, people are afraid to say anything anymore. It's so scary, you know, and I'm older and I went through the 60s and I remember everything broke loose in the 60s for good, a lot of bad. But one thing that never happened in the 60s was censorship. There's censorship now. Doctor, I can't believe I'm living through this. So when I go before the mic right here and I broadcast on AM 970 on Salem Media's flagship station, and we go all across the country, but technically we're live and local out of New York, you know, I say on the air, and and just this morning I was talking, we have the best audience, you know, and I said, I said, you know, I got to watch what I say, because if I say slightly the wrong thing, there are people listening, waiting to take us off the air. Who, who is us? Those of us who believe in the country. Those of us who believe in God. Can I can I say that? I got to watch what I say now, you know. <laughs> We're, I believe in one nation under God. I believe in the United States of America. And those of us who are peaceful patriots, 
who believe in everything great about this country coming here legally, like behind me. You know, these are my these are my parents, my grandparents. My grandparents came from another country. I feel a responsibility to come before the microphone every morning and just to speak the truth. It's scary out there, but I do walk the line and I keep pushing it. You know, you know how I you know what's funny now? This is really weird, Gina, but I know you well enough to tell you. You know what I do sometimes? I will post a picture of like uh, Jesus on the cross and, and I'll go happy Sunday just to irritate the left. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. No, I do know the, the slightest thing can just set them completely off. And, and it's funny though, they, you know, they, they continue to push these certain narratives at us. They continue to politicize every event that they put on despite diminishing ratings and diminishing dollars. Joe, you know, they, 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 they create these movies that nobody wants to watch, whereas if they would just create movies with a, a family theme without all the gratuitous, you know, profanity yeah. and uh, political correctness, I think more people would watch them. And they continue to create these uh, award ceremonies that only go to liberals ever and only go to the most leftist messengers messengers ever. Yeah. And, and it gets really, really frustrating. And you think about, you know, if they would just throw a bone now and then to an occasional family values kind of a show or an honest Emmy to someone who yeah. really did deserve it, um, people would pay more attention, don't you think? Yeah, but also the, the, the comedy's out there and they're not doing it. That's why, uh, you know, hopefully one day we'll be able to talk about that because we have that in the works. We wanted, because there's so much, you got to laugh. Look, I laugh at myself. People have made fun of me and you laugh back. I, I was the guy that satirized Ronald Reagan, you know, respectfully, though, always respectfully. And when I got to meet my hero, Ronald Reagan, he kind of changed my whole outlook uh, politically. But now, And then you got this in Washington. You got a, a, a guy who's on the House Intelligence Committee, and he dated and had a thing with a, a gal named Fang Fang, who happened to be, oh, a communist spy. And, and, you know, you can't make that up. Why is no, no one doing a sketch about this? You do a sketch about Fang Fang and Swalwo. I mean, it's it's like a reality show waiting to happen, you know? And I believe me, and I've done some bad television. This is just waiting to be done. Joe Biden, God bless him. By, by the way, I have great affection and respect for President Biden. I've known him. You know, I'm, a, I'm an independent now, but I was a Democrat for most of my life. And I would see Joe Biden there. And honestly, he was very, very nice. But... The poor guy, I feel so bad for him because Kamala Harris is hovering in the background. She's just waiting, waiting to jump in, you know? And every time, every, every time Joe Biden decided, okay, this was executive order 75, and then the camera slips, and there's Kamala there going, now, now Joe, do I, do I come in now? Now is it my turn? <laughs> and I say, and I say with respect to the vice president, with respect to the president, but if they could pick on, you know, Donald Trump, they could pick on Joe Piscopo, you got to laugh, and you got to laugh, but the, everybody's afraid to do it. One day, mark my words, my dear friend, Dr. Gina, that we'll be doing it on the airways. I love what Real America's Voice is doing, by the way. God bless you. And if I can, I'm not, I'm not going to keep babbling. We have to create our own platforms, and that's what you're doing, and that's what we're doing at Salem Media. I'm proud to be with all the big guys, you know, with Mike Gallagher and Dr. Gorka and, and Dennis Prager and Larry Elder, my buddy. You know, these, these are, uh, I mean, these are great broadcasters, and we're like an oasis in a world that has gone 
just bizarre. And by the way, I understand criticism. You could tell me I'm wrong. You could tell me that you don't like uh, this person or you don't like Joe. How could you vote for that person? I got it. I got it. But we're all God's children. We're all in this together. And we all got to lighten up and be able to push the envelope a little bit and laugh, you know? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I want to ask you about this brand new poll from our friends, uh, John Solomon, whom you mentioned, and Scott Rasmussen at JustTheNews.com. Joe, less than half of the voters think Biden's fit for office. 40% say he's definitely unfit. Something is amiss there. Joe, since you have the number one morning radio show in New York City, um, you know, I'm thinking you might be the final word on this. If the population's completely divided, uh, what do you say about this? Is Joe Biden fit or not? You know, I just had this conversation a moment before we went on. I was telling my mom that I was coming on the air with you, Jimmy. But she sends her best, by the way. And, and she's my, my beautiful mother. And I and we feel the same way. When we watch Joe Biden, there's no meanness. I don't want to yell. They were so mean to President Trump, you know. I'm not, I don't want to be mean to President Biden. I want to hug him. I want to walk him off the stage and say, you know what, Joe, just step aside a little bit, man. Let me, let me, let me, let me take care of you. Don't you feel like taking care of him? I don't, I feel yeah. bad. I feel bad. I don't feel angry. And I'm not, and I don't hate, I rather like him. You know, he's a nice guy, went through a lot in his life. And I want to put my arm around and go, Mr. President, walk with me a little bit. Just, you know, I, I listen, we're all going to get there. I'm not saying anything that's wrong. And half the country knows we see it. We know it. And then we had um, a, a couple of psychiatrists. We had a psychiatrist on, uh, Dr. Carol Lieberman, on this morning. And she said, I said, Doc, is it me or is there cognitive failure with the president? She goes, no, it really is. And we, I think everybody feels the same way. We're not mean. Like, they were, again, to reiterate, they were so mean to the President Trump, just plain mean for a lot of times no reason at all. I'm not going to be that way to President Biden. I feel for him, and, and I think half the country is right. It might, it might be time just for him, and I think it will happen sooner and later, according to my audience, according to the experts that we have on, Doctor, is that the, he's going to step aside and... Um, I guess Kamala's going to step in, you know. I, and between you and I, Gina, I don't know who's running the show down there. That's the one question. Yeah. It, it, I think the American people deserve to know that, if nothing else. Joe, I also have to ask you about Governor Cuomo, because this guy, man, he is, he's nothing if he's not gutsy. I don't think he has a friend left within a thousand miles of New York, but he is clinging on, hanging on for dear life. He will not give up. Uh, do you have words to the wise for him, Joe? You're confused. You're confused. I'm confused. You're confused. It's like watching. I'm a proud Italian-American. I am, I'm a proud Italian, but when you watch Andrew, and I've known him for many, many years, it's like watching episodes of The Godfather, you know? He's like he's like Salazzo, you know? I don't like violence, Michael. It's bad for business. Bad news for me. Bad news for you if you don't make the deal. So I mean that. Please, Italians, don't get upset. You have to laugh at everything. Andrew, I knew for many, many years ago. I used to love Mario Cuomo. Matilda, Andrew's mom is like royalty, Gina. She is ma magnificent. So I have a, a weak spot for the Cuomos because I have known them. But talking to experts, like I said, like Michael Goodman from the New York Post, something has gone awry, and it's just time for him to maybe step away, but I don't think he will. I, and I think a lot of this, as bad as this sexual uh, harassment is, alleged sexual harassment is, I think it's a distraction by the Democrats first and by everybody else to take 
our eye off the ball of one, the nursing home deaths, two, to yeah. make way for ill regressive socialists like Tish James, who's another, by the way, great person, the Attorney General of New York, but she's very, she's super far left. And they may, I think they're trying to push Andrew out to put her in. And I don't know that they want to uh, deal with the nursing home deaths with, as, as our mutual friend Janice Steen. Oh, we, how much do you love Janice Steen? She lost her in-laws like that. It was a terrible situation. But I don't think Andrew steps away. I, I just don't think he has it in him to do that. Wow. Unbelievable, unprecedented times. I'm sure glad we have you around to make us laugh. And uh, we just can't get enough of that. Joe Piscopo, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Congratulations on the great show. I love you, Gina. God bless you and Godspeed. Love you back, Joe. Thank you so much for being with us. All right, coming up, having a scandal-ridden past is a prerequisite for Biden nominees, it seems. And we have a new nominee for the Labor Department with quite a checkered past. You won't believe it. We're going to bring it to you right here next on Dr. Gina Primetime. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Well, now we've told you all about Biden's controversial nominees here on Dr. Gina Primetime, and we have a new one for you. But let's go back and review who we have mentioned so far. We've got Jake Sullivan, a National Security Advisor nominee who was involved in Hillary Clinton's email scandal. We've got Victoria Newland, nominee for Undersecretary of State, linked, of course, to Christopher Steele, the author of the fake Trump-Russia dossier. We've got Susan Rice, White House domestic advisor. She was involved in Benghazi scandal and, of course, the Russia hoax. We've got Melissa Hodgman, nominee for SEC enforcement official, who is, of course, the wife of the fired FBI agent Peter Strzok. We've got Secretary, uh, I'm sorry, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen with her fingerprints all over the GameStop scandal. And Nicholas McQuaid, nominee for Assistant Attorney General, who is, of course, former law partner of Hunter Biden's attorney. You can't make this stuff up. And now we have a nominee for the Labor Department that essentially wants to turn the entire country into California. I know that's what you want, right? Well, my next guest is going to tell you all about it. Tom Manzo is the president of CABIA, the California Business and Industry Alliance. And my husband actually serves on the board of Cavia and loves this man's work. That's also my disclaimer. Good to see you, Tom. Glad to have you here. Uh, Tom, tell us about this nominee for Deputy Labor Secretary, Julie Sue. We're hearing um, not such good things, but where exactly is she in the process for starters? Well, they had uh, the confirmation hearings today. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure how I would say that it went. You know, I, I wish people would have been slightly a little bit more uh, uh, aggressive in asking her some of the questions and how she's handled things. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I guess I guess we'll see. I know it's a, a few more stages left to, to where this all ends up. And, you know, that's why we're trying to raise the level of awareness, because we really think uh, Julie Sue has not done a good job for California. 
and we definitely do not want, uh, you know, her politics and her acumen to to lead the nation. It's just it's not a good idea. And what has she done that is so particularly, you know, offensive in terms of? Uh, business in California. I mean, there's a lot of bad going around California. So it's almost probably hard to distinguish what's happened in California that, uh, in particular that she's done that is so egregious. But can you help us understand? Sure. And, you know, one of the most unfortunate parts is, you know, our organization is fairly new. And I think we're not part of, of the Sacramento Club. And quite frankly, we're one of the only trade associations that are saying you know, Julie Sue's bad news, and, you know, we think this is a terrible idea that she would get a promotion, you know, after she's lost $30 billion. And, you know, quite frankly, Julie Sue made her mark by accusing a lot of employers of wage theft. I mean, she would publicly humiliate and shame them. She would list them on the website, list the names of the owners, list all the allegations and the violations. And she put a lot of uh, good people out of business over a lot of technicalities that, that happen in California. California has an 1,100-page labor law digest, and if you make one mistake, you know, you're, you can have penalties and fines in the millions, and just a matter of, of, a, of a few things that you've done wrong. And I think she took advantage of that, and I think she used that as, as a tool to, you know, get herself promoted and keep working her way up the ladder. And, and this is where she wants to be right now anyway. She wants to, you know, work for the White House. But it's shocking to me that, that Biden would pick someone that is, that is this, you know, unqualified. I mean, who's ever heard of someone losing $30 billion, uh, sending, sending unemployment to uh, prisoners, you know, to the tune of, of you know, that was a, over a billion dollars. And then saying, well, you know, we really think you're doing a good job and we think you should be in charge of, you know, the national, uh, you know, labor scope. It doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, right. And how this much included, Bernie, and this included checks Madoff? that. Right, right, exactly. Bernie Madoff <laughs> pales in comparison, as you're pointing out. Um, Julie right. Sue lost thirty billion dollars in unemployment insurance fraud on her watch, including checks that went out to death row inmates. So these are people who, you know, massive violations against innocent California citizens. Um, and they were getting checks <laughs> essentially because of her errors or mistakes or whatever, wherever you want to call it, her irresponsibility. And now instead of being um, in any way penalized for this, she, quite to the contrary, is being advanced for this. And that's the problem that you and your organization have with her, correct? Yeah, I mean, it has a lot to do with it. I mean, and she's the labor secretary. There were a lot of things she could have done to help out small businesses. You know, there's a law called the Private Attorney General Act. They call it the Sue Your Boss Law, where you can, you know, be sued for late lunches, technical violations on a paycheck stub, you know, miscalculated uh, bonuses. I mean, you give someone a bonus, but if they worked overtime, you got to recalculate their um, uh, their pay rate. It makes no sense. And she's never once said, hey, I'm going to advocate for business. I'm going to try to help small business. Who does she advocate for? Big labor and, and, and its union. And I think a lot of the smaller to medium-sized businesses, which make up most of the businesses in the state of California, we're not all Google, we're not all Apple. And what we're saying is we're tired of big labor 
calling the shots. And Julie Sue is big labor. She's the face of big labor, no matter how she tries to paint the picture otherwise. And you could see, uh, you know, all the organizations that have supported her are big labor, period. And but I mean, when you look at the Biden administration and with the super, you know, with the majorities that they have uh, really in Congress, do you see any way that she won't be approved? Well, some Democrats are going to have to, you know, stand up and say, wait a minute here. You know, you've got somebody that wants to pass a, a bill like AB5. You've got somebody that wants to get away all, you know, and independent contractors, as it's known. And that's not a good move. That's not a good idea at all. And yes, you know, Uber and Lyft were able to get a carve out in California, but there's plenty of other people that consider themselves independent contractors that can't get work in California because of this law. It's it's and the law was just rigged so they could take the large companies and force them to unionize. And your point is that this is the way the rest of America will look. As as I used to always say when I was a television pundit from California, what happens in California never stays in California. But if Julie Sue obviously uh, is uh, confirmed here, it means for sure what happens in California is not staying in California. It is going on the national level. So, Tom, we appreciate you bringing this to our attention. How can we help? Sure. You know, uh if anybody wants to join our cause, be a part of, of, of saying enough is enough and, and, and fighting big labor, you know, go to cabia.org. It's cabia.org and, and join our cause. Be, be a part of, of, of the real change that needs to happen. If, if you're fed up with the way things are, uh, stand with us and we're not afraid to, to tell people that this is wrong, they're wrong, and, and, and things need to change. All right. Thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate you bringing this to our attention. Not a lot of people are getting the word out on this, so I'm glad that you are. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Coming up, we have more news out of California, believe it or not. Gavin Newsom says the evil right-wing extremists are trying to run him out of office. Don't you feel sorry for him? That's next, right here on Dr. Gina Primetime. Back in a moment. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. Here with me now to help me with the meme of the day is Andrea Kay. All right, Andrea, it is time for the meme of the day. We can see Curious George and Barney the Dinosaur, and it says when King and Godzilla undergo, King Kong rather, and Godzilla undergo changes to please the cancel generation. Andrea. 
Well, when I first saw, before I saw the cancel culture, my initial thought was, was that a screenshot from the Grammys with Cardi B and the alleged uh, singer on stage? Because I heard it was pretty much like a couple of animals rolling around. Uh, this meme is brilliant. I love a well-placed mock, and uh, but on a serious tip, it really shows how they're going after uh, to every aspect of our society to try to treat us like kids as well as try to, you know, go after the minds of little kids. It's crazy. And we are really like a bunch of children. It pretty much is that way. All right, Andrea Kay, always great to have you with us, but it wasn't long enough. We're going to get you back on soon. Thank you so much for being with us. And now it is time for Doctor's Orders. been a year since 15 days to slow that spread and we've made so many mistakes over the course of that year in our reaction to COVID on the national and international scale but even on the state and local scale it's a wonder we aren't looking at the mistakes we are making at this very moment or even questioning our next moves but we don't seem to be we now know that mandating masks was a mistake. The numbers prove it out, as this chart shows. And no matter how much state governments forced us, there was little to no effect on the spread of COVID. Mandating shutdowns was a mistake. The data proves that ineffective at best. No matter how much Cuomo and Newsom forced people to stay home, no matter how many businesses they closed, there was literally nothing they did to stop the virus. Canceling holidays, all those lost memories we can never recapture, that was all for nothing more than likely. Basically, every, every effort we have gone to has proven to be no more effective than the states that did absolutely nothing, like Florida and South Dakota, and suffered, suffered no worse consequences than the states that were terribly confining and restrictive, like New York and California. And now they're suffering vast mental, emotional, and physical, medical, humanitarian, and even morbid, morbid casualties because of what they did. But it didn't even stop the spread in those places. It's a disgrace that we have experimented with human beings. But what is a bigger disgrace is that much of it was just one big exercise in government force, in human compliance, and in mass obedience. Now we are talking about vaccine passports as your ability to travel. Can we be serious about this? Are we going to sit down for this, America? Why are we not questioning that this is a horrifyingly bad idea, that we will not have this imposed on us? A Norwegian psychologist this week declared that the human experiments we put people through due to COVID were the worst exercise in obedience in humankind. She says we will be suffering the consequences for decades to come and that it will be especially rough on children. The deaths due to overreaction to COVID far outweigh COVID deaths. There's little question about that among the scientific or mental health experts today. So why are we continuing with mass mandates and creating new mandates such as vaccine passports? We know that these vaccines are still in experimental phases. We know that there are so many questions to be asked about these vaccines, and yet it is some sort of heresy to even ask a question about vaccines, regardless of how sensible the question might be. Let's start with the fact that some vaccines are somewhat derived from human fetal tissue, and this is disgusting to those of us who are pro-life. Let's just start there. But let's leave that one behind us and move on to other questions that don't come from a place of morality because basically morality has been banned in the new age also. But the beauty of morality is that absolute truth is true 
Absolutely. So we can move on to verifiable data because in our case, it is verifiable. So we'll just move on without that. Moving on, Dr. Simone Gold said on this show that COVID is almost 100% curable to, due to therapeutics that we have available and at our fingertips, regardless of age or even pre-existing conditions at this point. Numerous other physicians have also concurred. So why are we vaccinating against something that's curable? That's my first question. And it seems like a rather logical one that would seem to override any of the rest of my questions. But I'll go ahead and ask my questions anyway, because it doesn't seem that any amount of logic seems to apply with COVID. So here we go. Look hard and let me know if you find them. But I've had a really hard time finding any peer-reviewed animal testing studies in the development of any of the currently available vaccine, which is a normal requirement, by the way, for the approval of any other so-called vaccines. I can't find them. If you find them, let me know. Otherwise, there's something void and totally missing in this particular vaccine development protocol, and I'd like to know why but I'm probably not allowed to ask. The substance being administrated inside of bodies more closely actually resembles that of a biologic than a vaccine by definition because it puts a virus replacing cells permanently inside your body. It's unknown how often this will need to be repeated. It could be every six months, could be annually, and it likely is. And so then what? We're retaking this how often and what are the repercussions of that? We basically don't know. It also is unknown what effects or changes this could have on your DNA. It would seem to be a question that we would want to know the answer to before we are putting it inside of our bodies, especially repeatedly, especially every so often, especially year after year, because this could theoretically have best or even dire consequences on future health implications. But we're not allowed to even ask those questions. Now, listen, I don't want to overlook that Bill Gates is involved with this, as is Dr. Fauci's organization called Moderna. We can pretend like this doesn't matter. It makes no sense to me why we would have someone considered an expert recommending a biologic who is also an investor in it, even if it weren't Bill Gates and Fauci who've been wrong about so much in our past. You just don't have investors recommending things as experts. This goes against every sort of medical ethic ever known to mankind. In countries, in other countries, they're appalled at the way pharmaceutical uh, uh, companies can advertise and market to we Americans. This is absolutely banned and illegal in other countries like the UK. There are jobs on the floor when they, their jaws are on the floor when they see that pharmaceutical commercials advertise the way they do in America. And so maybe America should rethink the way Big Pharma gets to spend money to put things in our bodies and in our minds on our mass media. Maybe we should rethink that if it's illegal in our enlightened European countries. And last but not least, the lack of liability to pharmaceutical companies for inserting an experimental biologic in our bodies should be perhaps a concern to someone considering this so-called vaccine. Now listen, I am not saying you should or should not take the vaccine one way or another. I think you should be free to put it in your body if you want to. I am simply saying you should be allowed to ask a question, especially in light of the recommendations and the reversals and then the re-recommendations over the last year, all the mistakes, all the reconsiderations of the CDC, of Fauci, of the Surgeon General, and of the general medical field over the last year. There were so many recommendations and then reversals and then re-recommendations and then reversions and then revisions and then new recommendations. It should cause you pause before you take information given to you one moment as biblical fact. That doesn't make you a conspiracy theorist, 
That makes you an educated consumer. We can't throw critical thinking out with the COVID bathwater. We have got to become educated consumers capable of questioning whatever whimsy is coming down the media and medical pipeline today, or we risk doing God knows what to our bodies, including our children's future in God knows what ways, if we haven't already. Sober up, America. Get off the COVID-crazed conformity, and let's think like we thought before COVID, as individuals with critical thinking skills and the ability to discern profit motive from what might be our healthy or unhealthy decisions for our children and our families. If you question eating an egg that might have been fed a hormone or a piece of meat or a potato that might have been fed something other than grass or modified in some way, but you're willing to put an experimental biologic in your body without asking a question, because some talking head on TV told you to wear masks and then not wear masks and then to shut down and then stay away from your family when the date simply doesn't prove that out, the data, and, and then told you that life-saving drugs like hydroxychloroquine were bad for you when in fact now they tell you that may actually save lives, maybe we should ask more questions. Ask more questions. That's your doctor's orders for today. Thank you so much for joining me tonight, and thank you to everyone here at your new home for real news. RAV TV, Real America's Voice, live from Studio 6B, up next with Damon and the crew. Hug your children, love your God, you go boldly now, and live the truth. Good night, everybody.